So in the last episode, we turned our attention to 2 Peter chapter 3 and tried to strongly encourage a mindset of expectancy for Christ's coming, but not taking on the mindset of the scoffers who would say the master delays his coming. Where is the sign of his coming for things have gone on since uh, the beginning of the world in basically the same way? Why would we be living with expectancy in Jesus' coming in our day? Well, the encouragement in Scripture is always to be looking and always to be watching and waiting. And of course, we understand, um, you know, and people have varying views on this I, with respect to that, but my perspective is from my reading of Scripture that Jesus will come to snatch away his bride prior to his coming to establish his kingdom. And I would suggest that it's uh, it's very, very possible. I, I tend to hold the view that that's going to be at least seven years prior to Jesus' return. So the time of his coming for us is soon, and we should not be of the mindset where, whether it's in regard to the second coming or the rapture, we should not be wanting Jesus to delay his coming, nor should we be doubting that his coming for us is sometime soon. And of course, the coming to establish his kingdom uh, is, is, is one that we should be, well, we know that Jesus wants us to be expecting that because he taught us to pray that way, right? Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, we looked uh, through almost about verse 9. Um, uh, I'll read verses 8 and 9, then we'll move into the day of the Lord uh, in Second Peter chapter 3. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. And we mentioned how if Peter intended that to sort of give us a, a literal measure of some things regarding Jesus' coming... I don't personally hold that view, but there are those that do, and I, it could be true. I, I, I don't want to necessarily just dismiss it out of hand. But I think at the very least, we can say with certainty that at the very least, the intention is that we understand that for God's, from God's perspective, time is irrelevant. It has nothing to do with how long has gone by necessarily, but it just has to do with when God decides uh, that events are going to take place in human history. But it's important in verse 9, and this is where um, we'll kind of begin to move now into the next section, where the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but rather he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, that's an important passage for us. Uh, We may, from our perspective, think that all kinds of time has gone by. From God's perspective, if you can even calculate it this way, because God is outside of time. But from his perspective, again, just a few days have gone by. But from our perspective, it seems like a long time has gone by, and that causes us on a human level to maybe question, A, whether or not his coming is soon, and it also may cause us to wonder why he is delaying his coming, if he is delaying his coming. Well, the implication is that he's not delaying his coming in some sense that we should lose sight of the fact that it could be at the very door. But rather, if he is in any way holding off on on coming and establishing his kingdom, it is for one very specific purpose, and that is because he is gracious and giving space for people to ultimately come and respond to the gospel. Okay, now we need to recognize that God has an overarching purpose in mind when it comes to his dealing with mankind. And at the center of that is the salvation of lost sinners. Um, And so for those who would say, well, why isn't he coming? Why hasn't he come already? And that kind of thing. I'd like to answer that question in the context of this passage. I'd like to answer this question this way. Um, If Jesus had come back 30 years ago, 30 years in a day ago or whatever, 
I, I wouldn't have been a believer. If Jesus would have established his kingdom at that point, I would have been among those standing with the Antichrist. If all that stuff had unfolded then, I'd have been on the lost side. But he was gracious and he delayed his coming. You know, there are a lot of believers, I kind of meant to mention this in the last uh, post, but uh, there are a lot of believers who sort of have gotten burned out on looking for Jesus' coming because, you know, back like in the 70s and 80s, you know, everybody was, you know, really, really dialed in on Hal Lindsey's late great planet Earth and that kind of thing. And, and But, you know, a lot of years have gone by now since that book was written. And so it caused people, I think, who were at a fever pitch looking for Jesus to come at that time Uh, and he didn't, I think a lot of believers very tragically have sort of gotten burned out on the whole idea of eschatology and looking for Christ to come. And they've just sort of, you know, given up on that a little bit. When he comes, he comes, but, you know, I have no real reason to think it could be soon. Um, Well, I've been a believer for about 30 years, and I've been looking for Jesus to come. And I think it's possible to maintain that fervor and excitement, but to, to make sure that we recognize the importance of not reading into things, but just letting the scripture be our guide, uh, and to just, I'm not implying, by the way, Helen's was reading into everything. I'm just simply saying that, you know, if we understand that God's perspective on things is not just getting us out of here for the sake of getting us out of here, but his intention is to save lost sinners. And like Paul would say to the Galatians, my, you know, I, I was bought with a price, right? Therefore, I will glorify God with my body. The implication being, that I belong to him. And if he wants to use me in his purposes for the sake of the gospel, um, then I want to be available for that. You know, Paul with the Philippians would say, you know, it's whether it's better to stay, to go and be with Christ, which is far better, or whether I should stay here with you, which is profitable for you. I don't know. But he recognized the value in both, including the idea of staying and being here for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the development and discipleship of those believers. So there's a reason why Jesus hasn't come yet. He's not delaying in the sense of being slack or being lackadaisical about his promises or anything like that. No, instead, he's very, very specifically holding off for a particular reason. And again, that is so that all should come to repentance. Now, of course, not everybody's going to get saved tragically. There are so many that will not. But the time that is being spent between the beginning of the last days, back in Acts chapter 2, and the last, uh, you know, the, the, the moments leading up to Christ's return is being specifically spent by the Lord, the work of the Holy Spirit, to bring people ultimately to repentance and salvation. And so, verse 10 will continue here. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So Peter now takes a view beyond just the millennial kingdom. He's talking about the very end now. Uh, In the book of Revelation, the final chapters, we see this kingdom that eventually comes to an end with Satan gathering together with whatever people that are born during that time that will rebel with him against Christ in Jerusalem, will seek to overthrow Christ in Jerusalem and be defeated within the space of like a couple of verses. And then after that comes the great white throne judgment, and then we see the sweep of eternity moving into place. Well, Peter begins to talk about this new heavens and new earth, as is spoken of in the book of Revelation, but he talks about all of the elements melting with fervent heat. There's a point at which once we get to the end of that 
period of time where the gospel is going forth, where there is opportunity for repentance and belief, that time eventually comes to an end. And then Peter jumps ahead to that period of time when judgment finally comes, when the earth is dissolved and the elements all melt with a fervent heat. It's, it's almost like, um, you know, if I understand this correctly, and I may not, but, but at the heart of the nucleus of an atom are like charges, which in all other circumstances uh, would fling apart. They would repulse from one another uh, uh, because of their like charges and that kind of thing. But for some reason, they stay together. We hear theories like nuclear glue and that kind of stuff that holds the nucleus of an atom together. But whatever the thing that's holding it together, it it's... Whether this is exactly what Peter's describing or not, but it certainly seems to fit that at that moment, God will just sort of let go and all the atoms will just, it'll be like this massive nuclear thing that happens in the universe just goes out of existence. And they melt with fervent heat. And the earth and the works that are in it will burn up, will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and good and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, which uh, in which righteousness dwells. Okay, and then he goes on to say, therefore, looking for these things. Notice just a couple of times right there in that little brief passage, there is this sense that it is completely natural and appropriate that believers be looking for this. That's not a casual thing like, oh, it happened? Okay. No, it's we're looking for it. We want it to happen. We're longing to see the Lord fulfill his ultimate purposes and bring all of history to a crescendo and ultimately bring in that new heavens and new earth. Um, you know, the, I've mentioned often the tension that we live in. We don't want to see the suffering that's going to come when people reject Christ and ultimately are judged. We don't want that to happen per se, but that is that is what is going to happen because that what other way could there be? That's part of how things will unfold and root to God wrapping up time, space, history, all of these things and ushering in a new heavens and a new earth. Um the encouragement to look forward to these things, not just looking ahead because it's, it's down the road coming, but with anticipation, looking with excitement toward these things coming to be. That is the natural posture of a believer. In other words, the world around us in all of its fallenness, in all of its evil and wickedness at the hand of the, the God of this age and everything should repulse us. It should cause us to long for that world that uh, ultimately, God is going to bring in. Uh, and it's not wrong to long for that. It's not wrong to want to see all of the wrongs and ills and, and wickednesses and evils and, and, and terrible things that go on in this world to come to an end and for a righteous, fresh start to take place. Um, we should want that. Jesus told us again to pray for those kinds of things. Um, if it bothers us that there are those that are going to be lost, then the obvious answer to that is that we should be out there sharing the gospel with them, that as many as would come to repentance will. Uh, even as Peter kind of speaks to here, the idea of, of you know, um, according to his promise, we look for new heavens and a new earth, 
we uh, um, we're, we're we're looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God and that kind of thing. Um, this speaks to an attitude and a mindset as well as an effort uh, toward an end. You know, uh, believers should want this kind of a thing. We should not be so attached to this world where we are um, in any way um, wanting a delay in the coming of Christ to establish his kingdom. To finish out, um, therefore, beloved, again, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him, by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking of them in these, uh, in them of these things, uh, again, referring to the fact that Peter is speaking of many of the same things that Paul has been speaking about as well, and he's encouraging people to read Paul. Notice what else he says about Paul. Um, also, in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. This is Peter's tipping of his hat to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Paul's writings and holding them on par with Scripture. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, there's a reason why we talk about eschatology, and here we go. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. This present and forward-looking sense of the glory of God. Since we talk about last things, or we talk about last things for the purpose of being encouraged to live in the light and expectation of Jesus' coming, um, a study of eschatology should inspire living in a lifestyle that is expecting to see the Lord right now. Uh, I'll end with this story. Um, we adopted our daughter from Russia about 18, uh, 17 and a half years ago. And uh, while we were there, we took a couple of trips to Russia uh, and we brought her home on the second trip. But on the, I think it was the first trip, we had, um, we had a, uh, a guide who was showing us around. We were able to see her, uh, our daughter, in, uh, in the orphanage uh, on a couple of few occasions, got to spend a bunch of hours with her and that kind of thing. But we also had a bunch of free time around that, and so we had set up a um, an opportunity to go and to, to sort of tour some of the areas around there, including Moscow. And so um, among the places that our tour guide took us, uh, I think in part because she knew I was a pastor, um, she took us to some of the churches in the area, the Orthodox Russian churches. And we noticed a common thread as we would leave each of the churches. There was a mural on the wall over the door on the exit. And the mural was of Judgment Day, where the Lord bringing judgment down upon the earth and the angels coming down and judging and people being judged and all this kind of stuff. And you notice that about the second, third place that this was apparently common. And so we asked about it and, uh, and said, well, you know, what, what's, you know, why is, why, why is this mural present on all the exits? And, and she said, oh, well, you know, the, in the churches, they wanted to make sure that when people leave, they're thinking about living you know, for God before he judges them and that kind of thing. Well, that's awfully simplistic. And, 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 and frankly, there are some theological challenges to the idea of, of our righteousness being based on our works and that whole discussion. 
But there is something to be said about the idea that when we know that the day is coming, it does cause us to want to walk for him and, and to live for him and to walk with him and that kind of thing. There is an encouragement to move away from evil. And, and here's why. Not because you're saved by being good, but any believer would want to be about the Lord's business when he comes, right? I mean, for those of us who are looking for the rapture to come, I'd love to be doing this or uh, praying with my wife or doing something, you know, of the Lord when Jesus comes to snatch me away. Uh, if it was just through my last breath, I'd love to be preaching as I expire or something like that, you know? It's not because I'm earning anything, but I just, I love the Lord and I want to be about his business when he comes for me. In the days uh, leading up to Christ's coming, those believers who have survived the reign of Antichrist leading up to Jesus' return, uh, their very perseverance during that period of time is an act of worship uh, when Christ returns. There's there's a deep desire in the heart of believers to be walking godly and to be living in holiness when we see the Lord. Um, it's just a natural tendency. You know, this is not a question of a believer losing their salvation. Even the encouragement by Peter is that, you know, we wouldn't sort of take on the mindset of those who are slack, believe God is slack about fulfilling his promise and just sort of fall back into, you know, just sort of this master delays his coming and like Jesus would tell in the parable, we just go on doing wicked things. No, we should be living with an expectation. We should be living with a sense that, yeah, we could come today. I want to be, I want to be, you know, doing his work when he comes. That's just, again, that's, that's the natural fruit that grows out of a heart that is given over to him. And so the encouragement, if I can add my own encouragement here, is that we continue to study eschatology. We continue to study last things for a number of reasons. Number one, because it, it teaches us about the conditions of the world just leading up to Jesus' return. Uh, it also encourages us in regard to being expectant about Jesus coming for his bride or even coming to set up his kingdom. And it also encourages us toward holy living, which is important as a testimony to the world around us. And it's also important because we don't want to slap the face of the God who loves us and who has redeemed us. We, we should never be casual about that. It's not a legalism thing. It's a natural response. Jesus said you can tell a tree by its fruit. Well, even a very good tree will occasionally squeeze out a bad fruit periodically, and then a bad tree will once in a while put out a piece of good fruit. But the overarching evidence of what kind of a tree it is, is the kind of fruit it puts out. And so it just follows naturally. Well, let me encourage you in that, to continue to look for his coming, to spend time uh, growing in your relationship with him, hand on the plow serving him, but always with an eye up looking for his coming. Father, we thank you for the great hope that you've given us, the glorious hope of the coming of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Father, walk with us, take us by the hand, and lead us into a deeper and deeper relationship with you, that we might be a blessing to you, and that we might be a testimony to the world. Because one day, our time for working will end, and we'll go to be with you. And one day, Jesus will establish his kingdom. What a glorious day that will be. So thank you, Father, for this. We pray that, Father, you would bless and encourage us as we walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.